we have been in a series on um, helping the willing find the way. And we have been looking at a couple of the uh, conversion stories that we see in, uh, in Acts. And today we're going to be over in Acts 16. If you want to flip over there, uh, go ahead. You, I'm not going to read everything that's there, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a woman by the name of Lydia. And Lydia is reminded, uh, is remembered for her acts of kindnesses, specifically to Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Uh, Luke describes her here in, in uh in Acts, as a as a God fearing woman, um, that's kind of technical language that should indicate to us that she's probably not a Jew. She is probably a Gentile who has embraced the God of the Jews. She may be a Gentile proselyte. We don't know, but she is at least one who is aware of the Jewish God and seeks to worship Him. Have you ever known anyone that would be described as God-fearing that has some information, some knowledge? Believe it or not, there's a number of people within our community who, who are at that point. They believe there is a God. They believe that God is in control. There are people who have not ever gone to a church but have still prayed to God. And maybe they need some encouragement. Maybe they need a friend, someone to come alongside and help them to understand who that God is. The New Testament describes several people as being God-fearing. Those who have longed for God but have not yet known Christ. We have the Ethiopian eunuch that we talked about a couple of weeks ago over in Acts 8. And um, we talked about Cornelius last week, right, in Acts 10. Uh, We're skipping to Acts 16 here, not because there aren't some good things in between, but we're just hitting a couple of different stories. To catch up from where Cornelius was, we have this story of Peter, the presentation, the vision of all of the animals. Peter, get up and eat. I've never done anything that I wasn't supposed to. I'm a good Jew. And he, Peter, don't call anything vile that God calls clean. Yes? And then Cornelius and going over there and Peter realizing that God wasn't offering him to eat unclean animals. He was trying to teach them, teach us through Peter that God loves every soul he has ever created. We have hang-ups with people. God loves everyone. We need to keep that in mind. So we get that. But you know what? Peter had to face people's hang-ups. And in chapter 11, we see him. He's back in Jerusalem and they're going... Peter, did you just do what we heard you did? And Peter says, yes, I had this vision. He goes through the whole story. In fact, if you read it, you see he says almost the same thing in chapter 11 as what was said in chapter 10. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times does something have to be in the Bible for it to be true? How many times? Once. 
And if it's repeated, what should we be doing? Listening. How about if a whole story is repeated from one chapter and then immediately repeated? What should that be telling us? It's important. And I don't know about you, but your preacher has a pride problem. There are times when I forget that every person I come in contact with is a soul that God created and that God loves and that part of my responsibility, our responsibility is to introduce them to that God. Some of that comes from experience I've had with people in the past and I impose that experience on somebody who I am judging without ever thinking or learning about who that individual is. So your preacher pays attention when things are repeated in Scripture the way they are done there. Going into Acts 12, what we get is um, Paul's uh, first missionary journey, uh, Acts 13 and 14. And uh, we're going to kind of skip over that. But you know what Paul does? If you just skim there, you'll see. You know what he does? He... Goes to the synagogue, he gets pushed out, he goes next door, and you know what he starts doing? He starts baptizing Gentiles and bringing them to Christ. Well, you know what happens in chapter 15? Paul gets called to come down to Jerusalem. He goes down to Jerusalem, and they have this big thing we call the Jerusalem Council. And what is the purpose of that council? To help the Jews get over some of their pride, and to realize that God loves every soul he has ever created. Jesus died for them. They still have choice as to whether or not they will come into covenant with God through Christ. But make no mistake, God loves them every bit as much as he loves you or I. After this council uh, in Jerusalem, they move up towards Syrian Antioch, and uh, they start on a second missionary journey. And this is a mapping of that journey, starting with um, down here in uh, Jerusalem, and then they move up the coast, going through Tyre, Sidon, up to this is the Antioch that is specified in uh, the scripture so much. It's Pisidian Antioch. And they move over towards Tarsus. Why would Paul go to Tarsus? It's his home. Maybe he went to go say hello to mama. I don't know. But he's going to where he is from, and he's crossing Galatia. He goes over into this area here, these three cities. We've got Derby. Lystra, Iconium, and somewhere between Derby and Lystra, he picks up Timothy. Now, Timothy was born of a Jewish mother, so he is Jew, but his father was Greek, which is to say there are going to be some Jews that Paul is going to be talking to that are going to have some problems with Timothy because he doesn't 
bear the mark of the covenant of Abraham. So Paul, trying to be certain he doesn't put a roadblock in front of his fellow countrymen, and Timothy submit to the mark of the covenant. You remember what that is? Circumcision, yes. Uh, By the way, he's a man. This is a very different process when you're eight days old than when you're a man. I'm just saying he loved the Lord and he was committed to the Lord, okay? It's a sacrifice that he made. Well, as they come from this area here and they start going back and they want to go over and try to check on some of these uh, churches that they planted in Asia, Paul is prevented by the Holy Spirit. Now, how? I got three words for you. I don't know. It's not explained. But Luke, who apparently also comes from that area of Derby and Lystra, because right after they leave there, Luke starts saying, and we did this and we did that. So Paul's now talking from that point forward a lot of his own experience. But they, they're not, they're prevented from going. So they move northward, and this is the area of Bithynia, and this area of Mycenae, but they're going around this central area, and as they keep going, he was wanting to go up into Bithynia, but the Lord kept telling him, no. So he kept moving, and he went over towards the coast over to this little place called Troas. And when he was there, he has a vision of a Macedonian man who was saying, Paul, come and speak to us. And believing that the Lord was leading him, why? Because he was open to the Spirit. He was speaking, he was praying, he was in tune with what God was doing. They got on a boat and they sailed over to this area of Macedonia. Uh, Neapolis would have been the spot where the boat would have landed. And then we have this town of Philippi. Philippi, sound like anything you know? You're, you, you, you read a little book, a little letter that Paul wrote called the letter to the Philippians? Yeah, yeah. So, This is where he is going, and he is going there by divine appointment. Now, I know I just ran through all of that, but y'all can read it and get it down. Those first few verses that are in uh, chapter 16 are germane to what we're doing. I'm just not going to read them because you can do that. We're going to pick up at verse 12. Read along with me if you would. From there, Troas... We traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor, back where they had not been allowed to go, who was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us, Luca's with them, invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, there's a couple of principles that we can draw even from these few little verses if we take a moment to just meditate on them. One of these principles that we can see is that God finds a way to touch those who have a heart for him. God finds a way to touch those who have a heart for him. Now, Paul, writing to the church in Rome, over in Romans 1, around verse 19, 20, he has this this wonderful little statement where he talks about the fact that God places his conscience on every man, every human. That even nature screams that there has to be a designer. That he places on man's heart the idea that something created everything. And friend, if you are looking for that first cause, I can tell you that that first cause wants to make himself known to you. Now, Paul's normal thing, and if you go back and you look through the first missionary journey, you see it, is he goes first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. He goes first to the synagogue and then otherwise. Well, apparently, there was not a synagogue in Philippi at this point. In order for there to be a synagogue, there had to be at least 10 Jewish men in order to establish a synagogue. Now, there are probably some Jewish men in the area, but apparently not enough to establish a synagogue. And if you look at this, there is no mention of Jewish men in chapter 16, even in the things that happen following this uh, connection with Lydia. Well worth reading. You can do that again on your own time. Jewish rituals cleanings, though, demanded that there be running water. They have a phrase for that. Do you know what it is? Do you know what running water is? Living water is the idiom that they would use for running water. So it was logical if there's no synagogue and he hasn't been able to find one, the next best place to go to find Jews on the Sabbath would be where? Where there is living, running water. It's a very logical thing. Among those gathered is Lydia of Thyatira, a businesswoman who dealt in purple cloth. Purple cloth, big luxury item. And the reason for it is it was extremely labor intensive to get the dye for which that cloth had to be dyed to be that color. And as you see from this picture here, you can imagine where it came from. It came from seashells, from little drops that are gathered drop by drop 
from shellfish. Very labor-intensive. Now, women in Macedonia, women in Roman culture, had more opportunity than they did in the Holy Land in Jewish culture, though not all would have been roses. The Roman world was filled with idols and the occult and various gods. In fact, in Roman culture, the talk of one true God was distasteful outside of Jerusalem. And yet, Lydia had a heart for that one true God and was open to his call. Joe Bassano, author and preacher, writes this. Our Father does not need buildings or aisles to call the lost to him. He only requires a heart receptive to Christ. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. God led Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke to Lydia. And friends... God may be calling you to someone if you're open to his leading. Mike. Mike was a minister down in in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, And I heard him talk once about going to uh, a conference that was in, in downtown. And if you've ever been in downtown Atlanta, parking is almost hard to find on the street, almost non-existent. You have to park in these parking garages. And, of course, you pay for it. And uh, he had parked in the uh, lot there next to the convention center. And um, on his way back to his car, the, the, the person that was uh, the parking attendant had changed And the person who was there was a big, huge, tall, massive man. Very intimidating in his look. And as Mike was coming into the parking garage, this man looked over at him. He said he glared at him. And, you know, the guy probably didn't mean to, but there was something in his face that just intimidated Mike. But Mike spoke to him and said something, and the guy kind of, and then he started walking onto his car. And as he was walking to his car, he heard the Lord. I don't know how, but he learned, heard the, the, the Lord say, go back. Mike thought to himself, go back where? He said, go back. You, Lord, you want me to go talk? Not him. So we went back, and he said, sir, excuse me, I, I, I can't explain that I'm, I'm a preacher, and I just feel like the Lord's telling me to come and talk to you. Is, is there anything I can do for you? And this big hulk of a man stared straight at him. And his shoulders began to move. Tear started coming down his cheek. And his face contorted. 
And he said, that he had told God that day that this was it. That if he didn't bring some kind of sign, someone in his life or anything to tell him that God was there, that he was going to end his life that day. I call that a divine appointment. But you see, friends, Christian siblings, God doesn't need one receptive heart. He needs two. He needs us to be open to giving people what we understand. That can change. Not just eternity can change their life in this world. We need to be open. He needs you. Who is it that God is leading you to? Are you looking for them? Or are you just waiting for them to come to you? Because I tell you, you're going to find those divine appointments more if you're looking for them than if you're waiting for them to come to you. Another principle that we can draw from this short story about Lydia is that service is the natural response for those who know Jesus. Lydia was so happy to understand that the Messiah had come that she opened her home to Paul and all of those in his company. And Lydia didn't know it, but Lydia is the first known convert on the continent of Europe. The good news of Jesus Christ had changed Lydia's heart and it has the power to change hearts today the good news of Jesus Christ changes the brash into the beautiful it moves the keeper of the remote to the reader of the word it changes the absent father into a loving dad. It can change an alcoholic into an evangelist. It can make the proud meek. It can change the timid into bold. When God's word gets into our life, it changes us from sinners to saints. We serve a risen Savior. But you know what? I know you do because I see that in you. You know I do because you see it in me. Because I want to tell you a hard truth. Whatever is Lord of your life, people see it. I'm not saying what you say or what you think is Lord. I'm saying your actions 
display who it is that you serve. And when coming to Christ, baptism is a very natural response. We see that here in Acts 16. Which kind of begs a question, because this story is so short, you know. What would Paul have told Lydia that would have convinced her that she needed to be baptized? It's not really specifically recorded, but because we know what Paul said to others, we have his writings. He is the greatest teacher that we have outside of Christ in the church. He probably said a lot of what he says in those writings. He probably talked about Jesus dying on the cross and that he rose from the dead, proving that he was God in the flesh. He would have talked about God's power to change lives and perhaps even he would have said, let me tell you what happened to me on my way to Damascus and would have given her his story. He would have said something along the lines that we can't earn grace, but instead our, our inability to atone for our own, sir, our own sin earns us death. Yet the gift of God is eternal life, which is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He may have told her, That life in Christ is not about a religion, but about having a relationship. And Paul would have told her that to accept Christ means to be obedient to God's will and to submit yourself to the watery grave of baptism and then leading a life devoted to making more disciples and showing that he is Lord of your life by what you do what you say. When writing to the church in Asia, in Ephesus, in in chapter 5, he writes this. This is from the Good News Translation. God loved the church and gave his life for it. He did this to dedicate the church to God by his word After making it clean by washing it in water in order to present the church to himself in all its beauty, pure and spotless, without spot or wrinkle or any imperfection. I have problems thinking of myself that way because I know my thoughts. I know what I have done in the past. How do we become pure and spotless without imperfection? It is only through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And what's under the blood has been forgiven. It is gone. Lydia made Jesus Lord of her life and showed her faith not only by baptism, but also how she 
openly served Christ by serving Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke and allowing her home to be an outpost for the spread of the gospel throughout that whole region. And friend, I want to tell you, this same good news that Paul would have said to Lydia is still changing lives today. Do you need that life change? You can have it. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing invitation, call to worship, closing, I mean, call to action, closing hymn. If you need life change, you need to get it done. If you need to come to Christ, you need to get it done. If you want to come today, I'll pray with you. I'll talk with you. If you want to mark the card, mark the card. I'll get with you this week. But friends, this is too important to not get it done. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word and we thank you for Paul. We have learned so much from his life. And we thank you for Lydia, Lord, who helped to establish that church in her home, that congregation that affected so many lives. We thank you, Father, that you love every one of us equally, that we all have value in your eyes. And we thank you that you allow us to serve you and you treat us as sons and daughters, as your family. We thank you for the reminder of the hope that we have in Christ. And we thank you for this day and for this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.